0: Hey guys, Coach Liam here from Proffer for Contractors. So this episode of the podcast, we sat down with Hayes Nolman from HN Design uh, in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And it was a really great episode We covered a lot of things, You know, outsourcing, how to put systems in your business, You know, how he's hiring and actually how Hayes hired uh, four carpenters in the last 60 days using some of our system. But what's really important and why you need to listen is we talked about the actual tactics Hayes is using on social media and with ads to hire and how it's only costing him about $60 a week to run those ads, to get qualified candidates, to get people applying, when everybody's in a bit of a hiring drought. So it's really important you check that out. Um, we covered it about halfway through the podcast, but the whole episode was amazing. We covered a lot of stuff and how really A's went from working you know, 80 hours a week, driving himself crazy, blowing his brains out to now working about 40 hours a week um, and doing tons of revenue and profit. So check it out. We hope you enjoy it and we'll see you on the other side.
1: Until right now, this very moment, contractors have always been on their own, not as tradespeople, but being alone and knowing how to take their business to the next level. They call us working class, they call us blue collar. They say that we don't have the smarts to become the business owner that we're meant to be. That is such bullshit. You have the ability. You're more than any of that. The question, really, is where do you get the insights that you need specific to contracting to systemize your business so you can get your profits to pay for your freedom? I'm Andrew Houston. I'm gonna show you how to make more profits, how to get more control, how to get more freedom in the simplest, quickest way possible without of that bullshit. Welcome to the No Bullshit Podcast for Contractors. Listen up, level up, and if you learn something, like the video, subscribe to the channel, Change your business, and change your life.
0: But, Hayes, like, first and foremost, dude, just tell everybody a little bit about, like, you, you know, your journey, how you got into the trade, the kind of work you guys do, and maybe, you know, some of the main problems you were having before you, you met PFC and why you kind of orig- originally like reached out and, you know, and wanted to get some help.
2: Yeah. So I started this business about nine years ago. Okay, nice. uh, we do specialty uh, mill work and metal work for commercial spaces. So lots of restaurants, hotels, hospitals, yeah. and uh, shopping centers. Really, it started just one person. and We kind of grew up into uh, about 20 people now uh, total yeah. in the company. And really, we came to PFC. Well, I came to PFC. I was working about 82 hours uh, a week and had a baby daughter and <laughs> I... Wanted to be present with her. So I kind of had to find a way to uh, get my time under control and resources to hire uh, people and kind of redo my office. I had my COO that left and uh, we st- had to start fresh in the office from there. Okay. And that brought me to you guys.
0: So were you kind of like, you know what? I've been doing this for, you know, a while now, and I'm just not getting the result I want, and I'm just putting in too much time. And like, obviously, I got to change something. Is that what was kind of going through your head?
2: Yeah, it's. Just, if I didn't change something, I would be uh, either a single father, or <laughs> I would have been, uh, <laughs> or a deadbeat it, father, <laughs> or a deadbeat father. But yeah, it's uh, definitely something I had to change. And there was a lot of influx, and it was start uh, midway. Well, I would guess the start of COVID back then. Uh, part of, part of me thinks we were midway through the the COVID craziness where. All the uh, all the demand basically started peaking, Mm -hmm. and it's uh, we're trying to grab a hold and seeing that this is a great time to grow and uh, kind of make sure that the growth was sustainable and uh, put that through.
0: Right. So you weren't you weren't having a problem like getting work and like selling. It was everything that was the problem. You had too much work. Maybe not the best clients all the time. Right. Like maybe a bit too much more is more. Okay. That's which is very common. So obviously you're not working 82 hours a week anymore. Like where where are your hours at now? What's kind of, you know, your given week look like in terms of where you're spending your time, the hats you're wearing, and like what you're actually doing in the business?
2: Right now, my average week I spend 42 hours, and that includes my commute. So I spend about two and a half hours in my car every day. And I stop early on Tuesdays, take my daughter's swim lessons. I am sure. That I'm present for dinner every night and present for breakfast and uh, daycare drop offs every morning. So wow. I make okay. sure I'm present in that sense.
0: Um, that's on the personal side and on the business that's side. That's on the
2: personal side. Business yeah. side, uh, I no longer deal with drafts. I still do most of our sales. I do have a commission based salesman and we do deal with, uh, I still deal with all my purchasing, which is uh, the next thing that I need to hand off over to. Everyone and okay. uh, yeah, I deal with a little bit of drafting, but I'm not on the tools right. at all. I don't think I was on the tools even before.
0: So more um, on business development, leadership, totally. that kind of stuff. Okay, cool. So there's probably a lot of guys listening who are like, "Hey, that's great that you got from 82 to 42 hours in two years, and you like see all this time with your kids, and like life's a lot better." But the probably most thing, or the 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 thing that's probably going through everybody's head is like, "How?" Right? Because it's all great to hear that, but. What do you think are the things that actually really allowed you to do that? I know part of it is we're, we're going to talk about this is like hiring admin staff, right? Is delegating? Is you know maybe getting some help and coaching? But what would you say were kind of like the really important things that you stopped doing or started doing differently that allowed you to get that time back, right? That maybe people listening can can actually do or implement.
2: Creating systems, having actual functional production meetings. Uh, okay. I know weeks that we've missed it, I think twice in the past uh, six months, and those weeks were hell on production uh just talking about the job together and just letting so everyone knows what everyone else is doing in the shop we run three different departments we have finishing uh woodwork and metalwork all in one group so like just everyone knowing what other someone else is doing and where they may need to help the other person allows us to function really as it
0: this is a, a full team meeting or just the production staff
2: it's production managers and everyone in the office. So, uh, two drafters in production and project manager are all present for. Okay,
0: so let's let's talk about this because a lot of guys listening don't run meetings or maybe haven't or maybe are afraid to or maybe think, well, it's a lot of money I got to spend every week. And it's funny we just did a podcast with Austin McGinnis, another older PSC member who's got like a twenty-person meeting every week, which is could be you could think is expensive. Um, but like, why why is that meeting so critical? And what do you guys actually do? Because I think for a lot of people, they know like, hey, I should be running meetings. Like, I, I know it, right? Like, I understand it and I see the value. I just don't know how to do it, or my staff's not going to want to be there or not be accountable or not be like, you know, interested. So, what, how do you guys actually run these meetings? Like, what actually happens?
2: Our Monday meeting, which is probably our most important one, is we go through every single project that's either on the floor or working in progress, both in the office as well as on the floor. Mm-hmm. And it's all recorded. I have actually my VA my on a call every time. And he's taking notes the whole time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And we go through who's dealing with what this week. And all those goals and everything that someone commits to is then created into a task in ClickUp, which is our project management software, okay. which is assigned to the person with the due date that was discussed. So there's a
0: And then you review every, that each week, right? Every week,
2: we review those okay. tasks. If they were done, if they weren't done, how urgent they are... And uh, it's definitely been a work in progress. It's taken us at least a year to get to this point with having VA on the line, everyone pitching in and the task properly di- sent to people. But it's yeah. definitely uh, increasing accountability, increasing knowing what things are getting handled and what your next task is.
0: Right. Which ultimately leads to like, more profitable jobs because things aren't falling through the cracks, right? Things aren't getting missed, right?
2: Things um, don't fall through the cracks and it's not in my head anymore.
0: Cause
2: <laughs> right. I, How's that feel? I'll be calling <laughs> everyone on my drives. Hey, is this done? Is this done? Is this done? Instead, right. I could look at this at the start or end of my day and be like, okay, these are all done. And if it wasn't done, it's just tagging them in a comment, being like, hey, what what's status on this?
0: Right. And I think for everybody listening, I know for me, it was like that for many years. Like that's what that's what really stresses you out, and that's what really causes the hamster wheel effect is like always having those things in your head and always worrying about did someone do something or did we notify the client or did that thing get invoiced? And that's what stresses you out. I think that's what leads to burnout is just trying to juggle that in your head. Right? It's like, it's exhausting.
2: I used to run the company in my head and then no one could read my, my head. So if I wasn't there, they won't know what they're doing. It, right. It, or you take a vacation and out,
0: people are bugging you, right? Because they're trying to get info out of you, right? Yeah. Okay. And just to give everybody... Um, some some you know perspective here, Hayes. Like roughly, what are you guys doing in revenue a year? Just so that people can see the size of your company. Uh, Two point three right now. Two point three million. Okay, so you're not like massive. You're not small. We're not huge. But no, but definitely you know a good size shop. But you're profitable, right? Which is the most important thing, guys. Again, it's not about revenue. The vanity metric. It's about profit. Um, so we're gonna get in because you brought it up multiple times on that that kind of that topic. There is the VA thing. Now VA. Everybody listening, it's not the Veterans Association, which a lot of people are like, what's this VA thing? What do you mean? It's a virtual assistant. So a VA is essentially someone who you have working in your business, doing assistant or administrative or operational or whatever task. Could Actually, it could be estimated, it could be drafting, whatever, but who's not physically there. Now, a lot of times this is we're hiring people from overseas, from other countries or other parts of maybe the US or Canada, where wages are a bit cheaper. But essentially, it's staff not in your office. They're virtual, right? Now... I can guarantee you. Hey, a lot of guys are like, "That's impossible, impossible to manage." Anybody who's not, you know, I, don't, I can't physically talk to and see. So you're at three, you know, virtual systems now. Obviously, you started at zero. What was it like going from zero to one? Because zero to one in anything, right? Great book by the way by Peter Thiel. Everyone should read it. What What was it like going from zero to one? And what were some of your, I guess, like fears or frustrations or like hesitations?
2: I think my my first one that I hired was I was fed up. I had a drafter working for me, and he was already doing the remote work and he was local. He wouldn't come into the shop for three months. And so I realized... he was local. He was in... He was local. He was in Montreal and he wouldn't come into the shop because during COVID, he's like, I don't want to take the bus and stuff like this. He he was nervous with everything. So like, well, if he's doing that, maybe I could find someone more skilled elsewhere. So Mm -hmm. it all started with me hiring originally a drafter in the Philippines who is actually still on our payroll today. And it turned out beyond my expectations. So I'm already paying for these server licenses. So I didn't have to buy an extra $20,000 license for the specialized CAD software we use. And he's able to use our license at night when it it wasn't being used. So it was perfect mesh for that. So that was our first hire. And then after that, I realized I need someone to help me work on business development. So I started sending... Hired someone else in the Philippines, sending them tasks and uh
0: the Philippines. So hold on. A lot of guys are probably like, what the hell? How are you managing a person in the Philippines? How does that work? Because probably a lot of people think like, hey, they're unreliable or they're gonna steal my information or they don't speak English well. So like, how does that work? Because that's that would be a logical assumption or fear, right?
2: They are the most loyal people I've ever dealt with. <laughs> uh <laughs> I, I have one guy it's, uh if I don't give him a task that day, he'll ask me for tasks to do over the weekends because he needs to make up 40 hours a day. He, he feels like he's cheating me and he told me that outright. He's like, I'm cheating you. If I don't work 40 hours a week for the salary you're paying me, I'm like, I don't care. You get the job done, but right. that was his full, full spec with that was he needed to work it. So it's, it's not the not trusting them. And there's certain fail safes that you need to implement. Like. For sharing your passwords, you use LastPass or I right. think where you could only share certain passwords or certain coded passwords with them, create accounts for them within your emails. There's ways to safeguard yourself, but then you, you trust your employees in-house with the same stuff and right. you're, yeah. you're not standing behind them all day.
0: Like looking over their shoulders, right?
2: You're not on every site where you guys are working all day looking over their shoulders, making sure they're getting their job done. I, I don't see how that's different that they're right. further away, but... You're still on tracking everyone all the no, time. No, you can't
0: be right. You can't. That's the thing. You can't be on everybody, and you can't have all these things in your head. Okay, so you started. That's the first thing. Now you have three. Um, one of them is is a VA through our PFC VA program. But like, what are all? Because I think it's important for everyone to understand, like, just how versatile it is. Like, what are all the different things that you have outsourced to these to these virtual staff? Right. Like, just I know it's a lot, but like, just go through it because I think it's important for people to realize uh-huh. like, just how many things can be done.
2: I have one person answering our phones. Okay. And getting back to people, taking messages. Uh, my phone was ringing off the hook. I could not deal with it anymore. So
0: I'm I sure just, a lot of people can relate to that. Listening or like constantly getting their phone yeah, blown so up, phones.
2: Yeah, my phones. It was hard to find someone that could both speak French and English because that's definitely a requirement for us. So right. I was able to find someone to deal with that. Um, what else? I have uh, them creating systems, doing our takeoffs with with estimates, doing our takeoffs with the inventory, creating spreadsheet templates for our estimate systems. Pretty much anything that like we've been done locally with PFC, we have them uh, with amazing PFC systems. We have them dealing with our social media tracking, emails, managing my email management. So basically, I we get in about 150 emails every day, wow. and I make sh- try and keep my inbox down to about 30. Okay. So she's so uh, Daniela kind of sorts everything and then tracks it and assigns me to the urgent ones, puts other things in other folders where I don't need to see them. Uh, right away so it's just searchable if it's something I'm just adding a thread that isn't really needed my my response is put right okay. away. Um
0: all your social yeah. media right
2: all social media is taken care of through okay. VA and uh our hiring system too. So anytime we get a new inquire inquiry for a job it gets sorted through our funnel all dealt with VA and basically all I need to give her is a thumbs up, thumbs down and for the person, if we want to meet for a phone for our first phone call, right after the first phone call, she follows up with me and ensures that it happened and it, everything happened well. And then also, uh, it will be sending job offers. If okay, job offers that's also sent out everyone through the wow.
0: Fo- and then she has follow up right with like with bids for clients, right? Follow up with bids. Follow up with
2: our, our sales system. So everything for our CRM management is all dealt with through the PA. So, any emails for bids, middles, or anything from a client ends up getting forwarded into our CRM by her. And then um, basically adds a task. She creates a task for another VA to do a takeoff. Okay. And then from our takeoff, that's when uh, I end up getting involved in creating the formal estimate. Although that process, I need to kind of get it so it's fully outsourced.
0: That's one of my next steps. Okay, that's a lot. <laughs> How many, like, How many hours do you think this is? Well, it's like, is it like three essentially full time people a week, more or less, Uh, worth of tasks?
2: Two full time people a week full of tasks and uh,
0: a half time. Okay. So, like 60 plus hours or, yeah, 50, 60 plus hours of somebody's, of things getting done, right? That either would, would have fallen back on you, or most importantly, and this is the biggest thing, you would have had to hire these people potentially locally, right?
2: I would either have had to hire someone locally or externally. Yeah.
0: So, how much how much of a cost savings do you think it is not having to hire like locally for these roles and these tasks?
2: Well, the primary cost savings is it's contract based worker versus uh, a salaried worker. So it's right. PI, all, all the other added employer taxes that you pay. You need to add on someone's salary and the labor burden to keep them.
0: Oh, right, no, no, for sure. Like there's all the payroll taxes, right? But just uh, like what you pay the guy in the Philippines is going to be way less than what you have to pay someone locally, right? In terms, in terms of minimums.
2: You yeah, know, it's the minimums. So the The quality candidate. So basically, I'm paying a junior drafting salary locally for a senior level drafter in the Philippines. It's the same thing for pretty much everything. It's, okay,
0: okay, that's a lot of money though. Like, but the end of the year, you add up the time, you add up the money, and then also like not having to physically manage the person in your office, right? Like, there's there's a there's a big savings in all those respects, right?
2: Oh yeah, well, we want to keep our office as clean as
0: possible. Right. Okay. Now. Again, it's 2022. I mean, if COVID has taught us anything, is that like we can do a lot of these things online. So for maybe maybe some guys who are listening, guys who are listening who are like, they want to maybe get a virtual assistant. They want to get some admin help. stuff, They want to maybe start you know trying to outsource it. What would you say are some of the easier things to start with for outsourcing? Like take the baby steps. What are some of the things you'd say, hey, like get this off your plate or try doing this first? What would you say that is?
2: Well, basically like managing all the job costing. So ensuring the second in input uh, receipts in, if you take a picture, send it to someone with the job number attached to it, and that gets filed into the proper job costing folder, it's the quickest, simplest solution. And something that I always, it always took me too long to do. And now I just go through at the end of uh, my week, I actually did this morning, it took me three minutes, I took pictures about 75 receipts with the job number handwritten on each receipt, that's how we do it. And send it to her. I'm like, oh, please file all this. It's going to be filed by about 2 p.m. today. And I'll be able to review all the numbers at the end of the day and then let everyone know where we're at on come Monday.
0: Right. Versus you spending tons of time doing all that.
2: Versus me taking a day on the weekend to deal with it.
0: Right. Which and it's also just like mind numbingly boring work. Right. <laughs> no yeah. offense to your staff, but like it's not fun. Right. You know, it's, it's, not, not, it's not, <laughs> not fun, but it's work that needs to get done. It needs to get done. No. And what is job costing for everybody who's listening? Because a lot of people don't know what job costing is. Can you um, explain that just at a high level and the importance of it? At a high level, it's a P&L for each and every job that you produce. It's so, like a job autopsy, just,
2: right? Knowing exactly how much money you've spent on job versus how much you've come in and let you know if you were profitable on that individual job right? versus okay. waiting till the end of your quarter and a year to see if you're profitable.
0: Right. That's too late, right? And I'm sure a lot of people listening get to the end of the year. Only to find out they didn't make any money or didn't make as much money as they wanted, or their accountant tells them, Hey, you have a loss, or Hey, you got to pay this amount of tax. And like, versus like learning as we go, right? Through job costing, knowing, Hey, we got to correct our pricing maybe is off. We're coming, you know, over on every job, right? Or we're coming under and awesome. We have more margin than we thought, right? Um, but it's a, it's a very stressful way to run your business. if you don't know how much money you're making <laughs> in real time.
2: When we're taking on projects that take six months to produce, it allows us to at least get a a handle on it and adjust something before the end happens. Right. So if we're we're losing, like right now, we just... To be proactive, right? Yeah. We just saw we need to conserve more material on a job. So now we're going through all off that's on this job. they created an inventory of the list and we are now able to reduce the amount of wood that we need to order for this job by about uh, $45,000 it it adds up very quickly.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. With lumber at like a very high current price, right? It quickly adds oh, yeah. up. Okay, cool. So let's talk about the, about like hiring. So I know obviously we're helping you that with our, with the PFCVA program with, with doing the hiring and recruitment, but I want to talk about obviously like that, like the inner workings, but just more kind of the approach and the mindset, right? So you've grown pretty rapidly over the last few years, like scale up a big team. What were some, I guess, maybe the ways you hired before or like how you involved yourself that maybe like weren't working? Or what have you, what have you kind of learned about hiring that you can share with people? Because I think a lot of people get stressed out about it and they don't know how to do it or they don't have a system or they, you know, they maybe do things unfortunately in the wrong way, which again, maybe it ends up with the wrong hire or no hire at all. So, what would you say are again like some of the like just the lessons learned about hiring?
2: Um, that basically it's, the, employer, the employee needs to want to work for you more than you want them to work when you. We do want them to work for you.
0: Like the employee is the prize right now.
2: You need to convince them that you're the proper place to be. And you need to show both with your actions as well as with how you hire and how you treat people and basically our, our overall workflow.
0: Why, why uh, do you say that?
2: There's more employers looking for the, the, the current pool. Right. Uh, that being said, it's not like we've had trouble finding qualified candidates. And really, we, we haven't had an issue with the retention. We haven't had issues with like finding people. People are out there. Good people are out there. It's just you can't jump on just the first person that comes in. You need to choose the right person. If you're hiring for a need in the day that you need someone there tomorrow, you're going to come up with terrible people. If you're right. hiring for a need that you see that you need in 3-4 months, that that's the right approach. Like right. right now we're we're looking at it like we we need someone in within the next two months. So we've been trying to hire for that for the past two months and finding the right person.
0: Okay. So more of a slow to hire, quick to fire mindset, right? Like oh, yeah. I would say, okay. So how are you now again? i lot of people probably like, man, Hayes, you sound crazy telling me that there's lots of good people out there and people want to work and there are good guys out there because they can't find any. So how are you guys finding these people? Like, talk to us about the actual recruitment strategies or the, the ways you guys do things, um, maybe social media and else, elsewhere, right? To actually get people interested in applying.
2: Well, it was all through the ad that uh, we crafted with you, your guys' help, which was basically showing them that it's a career path. Like, it's not like we don't want someone here just for, for a few weeks. We want them here for their career. We don't want them here for a few months, a few weeks just for a contract we want someone to stay for a while and like train and develop with us and grow with us. And, and it's really voicing that in your ad is what's going to drive the right people towards you. Right. And well as responding right away and being open and honest with people and telling them if we're not the right fit for them up front. And then even having suggestions of people who might be the right fit for them always pays off because you're telling them like, Hey, these people are also great. And like, Really, you're talking up the industry. The, the industry is great. You have friends that are your competitors, I'm sure. And mm-hmm. being able to be in like kind of a communal mindset about that. Um, someone might be looking for a job for you, but really their expertise lies in something that a competitor does better. Send them that way. Like,
0: right. eh. and if they're bad, send them to your competitor also. <laughs> <Cool>. Maybe <laughs> if you want to be that guy. Um, but okay. So I think, I think that the kind of the underlying kind of issue though is that a lot of contractors and a lot of people kind of think man like people should be lucky to work for me or, like I, I like you know people should be grateful to have a job with me or like this is such an awesome place to work like everyone should you know be so happy and i hate to tell you guys that again in today's landscape just supply and demand demographics like that mindset's going to kill you because people have tons of options and they have tons of choices it's not that people are lazy and don't want to work it's the opposite it's that people have so many options of jobs they can choose They're gonna take the one that's obviously best for them, or the one they feel is the best fit. That's the real truth, right? If you just look at the basic math. So, again, for you guys as owners, like Hayes is saying, it's your job, right, to to promote why you're so great. And I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, just like don't want to do that. Maybe it's you know like it's just it's just a weird maybe it's like a, a like a shame or a guilt or like it's a pride thing. I don't know what it is, but clearly that's that's holding a lot of guys back. But if you don't shamelessly. Like promote your own company. Who's going to do that for you, right? Like your competitors aren't going to do it. So that's, I think, the biggest thing that a lot of guys and girls listening have to have to do. So what we'll do is we'll actually link um, a couple of Hayes's job ads in the in the description in the show notes, guys, in the podcast and on YouTube, so you guys can see it. So how many people have we hired for you? Just I just remind me in the last kind of nine days was it four carpenters?
2: I think we hired four carpenters. One actually was like two months. They they relocated to to work here with us and we're- they
0: relocated.
2: We're ecstatic for him to start with us.
0: From uh, where? Where do they relocate from? Because a lot Winnipeg. of people think that's impossible. Wow. So, if you guys are listening, you're not Canadian. Winnipeg to Montreal is about, what, like a five hour flight? Like, it's a big, it's, it's a multi thousand, multi thousand yeah. kilometer. It'd be going from like New York to Iowa, right? It's like, it's a big journey, you know? It's a nice um, long journey. Yeah, maybe further. It's more, probably, probably like New York to like Utah. It's a big, it's a big mission, right? So, he's not getting someone to relocate from, you know, within his state, like city to city, you're getting someone multiple provinces, which is a, the same as the state guys. If you don't know what provinces are, like over. Okay, I'm always sorry. I'm always a bit pedantic with the geography stuff, but I think is important. So that's a big, like that's a big move. You got someone that to go a big
2: move, and change time had, zones, literally, right? <laughs> we had an so we had one guy that ended up um, ended up taking a job elsewhere. And then within a month, he's like, no, nah, I took, made the wrong decision. He called us back right away. He's like, you guys were the right choice. And he came to work for us right after, which was huge because we were also following up with him, checking in with him after a month of having that interview and submitting the job offer. And then him telling us he went elsewhere because it was closer to his house. It wasn't a money thing. It wasn't anything. It was, this is more practical for me. And then he figured out it wasn't the right fit. So he came on board with us. Wow. We were thrilled to have him. And he's worked out great. I think he's. Uh, we have his three month uh, review uh, tomorrow. Uh, not tomorrow, Monday.
0: Okay. So four four guys though, roughly within within ninety days. So a lot of people would be like, "That's insane. That's impossible, right?" Yeah. And did that require like spending tons of money on ads and job boards and stuff, or would, Like, what was the overall cost? I think we spent about sixty
2: dollars a week on ads for the first four weeks, and then after okay. that. Just scaled it back so we've realized we we're starting to get way too many applicants and way too many qualified people. Right. Uh, I have a good qualified interview on Monday for someone for the job who seems super interested as well yeah, so as 60 bucks.
0: Uh, so like pretty low cost, right? And and this is another thing. Like if you're not willing to invest money into hiring, like you're insane, guys. If hiring, like and I hear this all the time, and I'm sure you do too, Hayes, where people are like, Man, like my number one challenge, the biggest problem I'm facing is hiring. And then you ask them how much time and money they're putting into solving it. And it's like nothing. It's like, oh, I had a couple hours a week. And like, yeah, I put a hundred bucks a month on Indeed. It's like, well, you're going to get a pretty shitty result, right? Like how much time do you spend on sales? How much time do you spend on business development? How much time do you spend on production? How much time do you spend on marketing? Like a lot and a lot of money, right? And then you're telling me this is the number one problem, the number one threat facing your business. and And you're essentially giving it like lip service, so why why do you think contractors do that? Like they know it's their biggest problem. They know it's hurting them. Why are they why are they so maybe unwilling or why are they so like willingly ignorant of of investing to solve it? What do you think it is?
2: I think the sales is a sexy number. While like right. employees, it's it's not it's not as sexy, but re- really it's it's the heart of the company. It's it's without people, is, you're screwed. yeah, yeah. Without people, are are you going to be doing all the work yourself, or is, are you working with uh, with everyone around you to get everything done? And like the the only way for you to to fulfill the sales that you're getting, sales that you're reaching out for is to hire. So it should go hand in hand and it's a very similar system.
0: Okay. Sales. And let's talk about that. So we have a, we have a saying, a PFC always be hiring, right? This is why Hayes you know has us using, or is why he's using our PFC VA hiring program. Why should you always be hiring? And like, or why should you always be selling and always be hiring at the same time? Because a lot of guys will just hire and then they stop hiring because they don't, they think I'm done. And then six months later, they're scrambling that to, you know, to, to hire, right? Right away?
2: If you, if when you have a bench of warm candidates, it, it's you're always able to take on the next job, take on the, the next project. Uh, right now, we're looking at to trying to how do we increase throughput in the shop and, and be able to actually fulfill all the jobs that we're getting in and, and we keep on getting more inquiries. And I'm slowing down a little bit of sales so I could catch up on the hiring set, standpoint. If we don't do that, we're not going to be able to have satisfied customers at the end of the day. Yeah. On our
0: promises. It's like very, to me, it's just so simple, right? It's like, yeah, you won't be able to like run your business because you don't have any people to do it. And again, with what's going on today, if you're not always hiring and recruiting, right, then you're at the mercy of of essentially fate, right? Because people, people get sick, people get injured, you know, people quit, right? Things happen, you lose people. And if you don't really have a way to replace them consistently, then either you're going to get thrown back in the business or you're not going to be able to produce as much and your profits are going to go down, right? Or you're going to let clients down. So importantly, though, you're not doing that. That's that's the main thing. It's like you're not actually the one who's doing this hiring, you know, day in day out or always hiring. So what's your involvement essentially in the hiring process now? Like what where, what do you do? How do you get involved? Like what what's your you know what's your main uh, kind of thing you're doing? 10, 10 50
2: minutes a day. I end up reviewing all applicants. Okay. After that, then uh, invites are set up, and then. Either I get calls, get automatically scheduled in my calendar for 15-minute blocks uh, twice a week. I have blocks already dedicated in my calendar. For and
0: that's an like a pre-interview? Blocks. Or what's that?
2: Pre-interview just to screen them. To like see a if they, can to the shop. Okay. If, they, if they pass that screening and, and everything follow, is in check, we invite them for a shop interview, which is basically 5 minutes with me and mostly with their actual shop manager would okay. be involved with it just to double check with what we think. If that's all good, then we end up sending out a job offer and deal with it from there. Okay. uh, And our job offer fully outlines the progression in the company and, and basically their whole career path, which is very
0: critical. So that's basically for you, like a couple hours a week, essentially.
2: Yeah. I, I would say I'm probably dedicating three hours a week on that.
0: Okay. And so not a massive investment. <laughs> okay. But there's someone behind the scenes, this VA, that's doing right all these things, all these tasks, the, you know, the hours and weeks that you don't have to be in the trenches, essentially.
2: Oh, yeah. They, she's flagging which ones meet my original criteria, which applicants meet my original criteria. Anyone that doesn't, I don't even see. And those I do end up... Uh, I just need to tell her to invite them to the proper... Uh, to, for the interview.
0: Right, right. So when you say criteria, are you hiring for like certain specific skills or like experience thing, or are you more hiring for like attitude or like how what do you mean by criteria? Just like, I think it's important people understand this.
2: We're hiring probably about uh, 30% experience and then 70% attitude. Uh, attitudes easy to semi it's easy to judge on uh, in a phone call, but really really in person is when you actually get to see someone's attitude. Mm-hmm. But uh,
0: in writing, it's mediocre. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's impossible to know. Right. Yeah. Right. So why so much an attitude? Like, Why is that so important for you uh, in terms of bringing someone on? They need to mesh with
2: the culture of the staff, the culture of the team. They need to make sure we're we're team player. Like B-level skills with an A-plus attitude is definitely better than someone with an A-plus attitude. And even a B or a C in skill. Uh, Oh, well, I said that wrong, uh, than with an A plus skills and a B or C you see attitude. An
0: attitude. Yeah. Cause it's you can't, you can't around. change, you can't change attitude, right? Skills are trainable and like developable. Like you can do that over time, but it's almost impossible to change someone's kind of their nature, right? It's very difficult. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like pushing a boulder up a hill. It doesn't really work. <laughs> it's not worth our time or effort. Yeah. It's draining. It's emotionally exhausting, right? Uh, okay. So again, I that's really important guys, like if you're listening, you know, and you're just like, if your mindset is, Hey, I'm just going to find like rocks, st- rock stars on this, like unicorns on the tools, you know, a, not a lot of them out there. Probably they'll be really expensive. And then most likely if, if that's at the expense of them having a bad attitude or they're not a good team player or culture fit, it's just going to come back as a problem for you as the owner. Cause your teams are going to be complaining or your clients are right. Or they're going to be just emotional high maintenance usually is what happens with those kind of people. Right. Because they're they want to be MVPs all the time, so that's just a simple strategy you guys can use. Andrew talks about it, right? You hire for attitude fit and then skill, because you can take anybody who's decently moldable and with decent skills, and you can you can train them. And let's talk about that, dude. Like, so you this is I think this is where most guys again also lose a lot of people or where things go wrong is like they they go to all this work, they hire somebody, and then like that's it. There's no onboarding, there's no training. It's just like, hey, show up on Monday on the job site. They throw them to the wolves. What does it look like for you guys once once you've made that a job offer they accepted? What is kind of the first 30, 60, 90 days look like in terms of onboarding and training? What kind of happens?
2: Yeah. So I've failed so many times on this onboarding. I, I can't be the one to onboard someone in, into our shop. So I can't tell you exactly what they're doing on the tools, but I could tell you on the offside that now, anytime we hire someone, we make it a valiant effort and ensure that they're all set up for our admin tasks. So they're set up on QuickBooks, quick QB time. They both block in their first day. Okay. is something that we're really focused on doing because before that, it, if someone would arrive, if they, feel, they don't feel welcomed, we make sure that uh, their manager is present for their first day and ready to train them and has okay. time in their day to train them on their first few days and set them up with their, their buddy in the shop and get, let them know which tools to use, they can use. Um, skills are always evaluated on the first two weeks so it's kind of known to us like which tools they could use and which tools they need to be trained on for for both for safety reasons mm-hmm. as well as um, pretty much uh, safety reasons and for actual product, final product because mm-hmm. we work with tools that could take off your hand quite easily. Mm-hmm. As well as then the next step is specialty tool training and try and have them scheduled in to learn how to work and service our edge banders, CNCs. Uh, time savers, double side planers. And ensure that they know the proper functioning of them, as well as how to ensure that maintenance is done uh, before and after they use each of those tools.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's a lot. <laughs>
2: There's
0: a lot to learn. No, it's good it, though, right? Because uh, like otherwise, people either get hurt or get injured, or like you lose money, right? Like it's very simple. Yeah. Right. So what what what's your kind of realistic expectation for someone's ramp up? Like to, till they're fully ramped up? Is it 90 days? Is it 60? Like what's kind of your you know.
2: Normally within 30 days we're we're probably break even on them, hopefully. Okay. And, and by about 60 60 days, we should be able to have them run profitable, profitable okay.
0: okay. So that's a good, I think that's a good time from expectation. So again, if you're listening, guys, and you just like again, you hire someone Friday and like you're like Monday show up and you expect them to be fully producing right away. It's just, you know, again, it's very unrealistic, right? Because even if they are good, they have to learn your systems, the way you guys work, your tools, the way you guys do things how to work with the other guys, right? There's all these things that just take time. And as, so like, as that's happening, that's the practical side, right? What is, in terms of more maybe the administrative office leadership development side, what's going on there with new employees to make them feel supported, right? To make sure that we don't lose them as you've spent all this time, money now, to, to land them, to go to get these good guys. Like, What's the things you do to make sure you're retaining and keeping these guys over time?
2: Over time, we need to make sure we have proper reviews scheduled. So one has their six months review with their manager, annual review with owner, as well as we make sure that the new employees always have their three month review, and then jumps onto the six months and annual review schedule. Every employee typically has a one-on-one or should have a one-on-one with their manager at least once every two weeks, okay? which is 30 minutes literally to talk about anything that's on their mind. So anything either personal stressing or business stressing that we can do to help them and basically how we could just converse. It's part of team team building, really just getting to know everyone. Realistically, on the admin side, everything needs to be dealt with for, for payroll is crucial and ensuring yeah. that you know everyone's team.
0: Yeah. All, all, yeah, all the standard boring stuff. Um, okay. Now, do you guys do anything at a higher level for like team building or like team, you know, training or exercises or like fun stuff? What do you guys do like over the course of the year again for that for retention? Oh yeah, we definitely
2: have uh We have at least two parties a year, normally about th- normally three. Okay. Uh, barbecues. We're actually due to have one this month to celebrate a new guy coming to our team, as well as to celebrate the finishing of a major project. Nice. Uh, we like to always celebrate our wins on those. Right. And uh, it's definitely a good time with everyone in the shop or outside the shop, depending on time of year and where everything's going.
0: Right. So guys, if, if you're listening and you do none of these things and you have no training and you have no meetings and you have no reviews and you have nothing, it's just go, go, go all the time. And you again expect guys to, you know, be amazing or to never have problems or to, you know, stay with you forever, probably not gonna happen. Right. There's a lot Hayes is doing here, like on the investing time and money. Right to make sure his team is just like supported number one, but two that they stay because replacing people is incredibly expensive. Uh so that's like that's the first thing you should be thinking is like, wow, am I doing any of this? And if not, again, are you really a great place to work? And like, should everybody be bending over backwards to come work for you if you don't have any of this stuff in place? I would, you know, argue no. And that's probably why you're not, you know, finding good people and why you're not growing or why you're losing people. And the question, the easiest question to ask yourself, and I ask this all the time is especially if you're losing staff like every year or you've lost a lot of people or you've turned through people. Is you go well? What's the common denominator between all of them? It's you. It's your company, right? Like if you've lost four people in the last year, the common denominator. It's not that they're lazy. It's they don't want to work. It's not that the government's giving up money, right? It's that you are clearly doing something wrong to lose them. And I'm sure you've gone through this, Hayes. Where you lost people and you had to like reflect and be like, shit, like what am I doing here? You know?
2: I lost. Yeah, uh, it's happened before, and uh, yeah, I had to restart uh, my office team. I think twice. Because I was not dealing with it properly. And I was just... Everything was still in my head. I was giving them limited information. And now if all information is out there, or at least as much as I can put out, I still feel like I hold them back. Right. Um, But I'm doing the best I can to deal with it and trying to improve on those things and just get my office team up to speed with everything.
0: Okay, nice. So... Listen, we're gonna, we're going to wrap it up, guys. But I think we've covered a lot here, and I think ultimately the kind of core takeaway is you, you just you can't do everything yourself, right? You're not going to scale to a multi million dollar business or have a big team if you try and do all these things. If you don't delegate, or or you just try and keep um, all this stuff in your head, right? It just it's impossible. So I think that's 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 the biggest thing. And I think secondly is that you know if you're trying to hire and you you haven't been able to do it successfully, and you're just doing the same things over and over, right? Or you're just you're trying things that clearly aren't working you have to do something different, right? And whether that's you know trying actual ads, maybe you've never done ads before or trying to do things through social media because you've only ever just done job boards, you got to try something different. Or maybe again, you need to use a professional, you know, like the PFC, a hiring program, I actually have people come in who do this all day and help you. you know, We're not the only ones or tons of people, but the point is like good people right now won't just fall into your lap and relying on referrals, right? Or like that kind of stuff. It's great. It's always lovely to get a referral, but it's not a predictable system, right? It's not scalable. We can't predictably say, "Hey, in four months, I know I'm going to need somebody." You know, I'm going to really hope I get a referral. <laughs> like, you know, it's 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 just not going to happen. Um, and lastly, you know, what are you doing as a leader, right? I think to make it a better place to work and to keep your guys. Because if all you're ever doing is focusing on making money and just running projects, and you never take care of your team, well, you're going to lose people, right? They're going to go somewhere else. Just they're gonna they're gonna you know find other people who maybe offer a better environment and. If that's the case, where business isn't fair, right? None of these things are fair as it is. So you got to you got to solve it. And like Andrew says, not your fault, but it's your problem, right? None of these things were your fault. It is you didn't know how could you? But they were all your problem as a business owner, right? And you decided to fix it.
2: Yeah, we we end up pushing, making the best with hands we're dealt, and just making sure that people will end up choosing us or doing our best, so people choose us as their place of business. Well. Basically, where they want to work, you spend enough time here. That uh, it's huge,
0: it's like family, almost, that's right?
2: Family. Yeah.
0: yeah, you're asking someone literally to take like a massive chance on you, right? Okay, cool. So, listen, Hayes, it's been really, you know, it's been an honor, honestly, to be part of your journey in the last two years to see all the progress you made. I mean, obviously, you still got tons of things you want to work on and fix, and we never kind of really end up, you know, finish working on our business. So, I'm sure there's a ton you're going to do and change. But what would you say? I guess would be, you know, just in 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 leaving, what would be kind of your like, you know. Your biggest, biggest thing you could share with everybody in terms of, hey, if you're going to do one thing right to improve your business, what would it be?
2: Basically, know that you can't do it all yourself and reach out, get someone else to help you deal with. Uh, a lot of the admin office work, because us as being good in tools, good at building things, it's typically not our, our strength. So finding someone that, that can do that and can support you on that is huge.
0: Yeah. Okay, just, it's impossible to do it on yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. And guess what? It's just not, it's really not for us as owners, generally the things we should be doing because it's not like our zone of genius. Right. Like most CEO entrepreneur owner types, they're not, they're not really geared for operational tasks. That's not where they're, where they're, where they're, where their focus should be, right? Where they're going to be the most productive. Um, okay. Awesome, dude. Well, listen, thanks for your time, Hayes. Really appreciate it. Um, guys, like I said, we'll post Hayes's some examples of his job ads, some of his social posts. Um, that we use to hire those those four guys within within sixty days, so you guys can use them, you know, get inspired, you know take some ideas. And that's one other quick thing' I'll, I'll end with is like if you're struggling with hiring, go look at what all of your competitors are doing <laughs> and look at what all the really great companies in your local market are doing. because maybe you're you're a plumber, but you know there's like a local electrician who's crushing it, they're growing, they're hiring all the time. go look at what they're doing. Go talk to them, ask them, like, how are you hiring? right? Like they're probably going to tell you because they're they're not competition right? There's, there's zero risk, right? Hayes, like, what's the worst that happens? No, it's,
2: it's great to look at them and even outside the box into the tech industry where they're actually in another labor crisis Huge like one. us. And so basically look at what they're doing too and mimic it in our industry. And yeah,
0: take it's a, a game of business, right? Like, there's lots of stuff we can leverage. All right, guys. So we hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, hit the like button, subscribe, notification, all that good stuff. We'll hit you next week, every week, another episode. A's, um, super great to have you, dude. Look forward to again seeing you grow and do more, and get that forty-two hours maybe down to twenty-two in the next few years. <laughs> we'll see, but uh, I think you'd have a good goal. Thanks again, guys. We'll catch you on the flip. Thanks, Hayes.
1: Hey, rock stars! Thank you for watching the No Bullshit Podcast for Contractors. If you enjoyed this episode hit the subscribe button, and if you're serious about growing and need help, click on the link below. Myself and my team would love to help and give you the necessary tools so you can take your contracting business to the next level. And remember, dominate, delegate, and deliver.